Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Moscow, Zabit Magomed Sharipa versus Calvin Cater. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday afternoon in Moscow, Russia. Two of the top featherweight contenders are fighting for a potential shot at Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky. Yeah, anytime you get Zabit Magomed Sharipa and Calvin Cater on a card, period, you got to watch because both these guys, the way they put guys down, I mean, Calvin Katar, we saw him against Ricardo Lamas' last fight. I mean, that was a vicious knockout uh, that not a lot of people saw coming in as a beat it was one of the more flashiest guys in the ufc so this is a fight that's uh, been in the making for a while you know they were supposed to fight in boston uh, uh, a few weeks back but got pushed back to moscow and uh I'm, I'm glad they get to run it. Man, it's going to be such an incredible fight, although it is three rounds for the main event. Uh, you're talking about two guys who we've been high on for a very long time. Obviously, it was a beat Magomed Sharipov. You're dealing with a six foot one featherweight who throws all kind of unorthodox techniques. Uh, if you thought the Showtime kick was something exciting, wait till you see what this kid does. And with Calvin Cater, I've called him a top five guy since his UFC debut. Now he's got a chance to prove if that's really the case. Yeah, 100%. And then the co-main event, you got... Alexander Volkov, he gets the gets the opportunity to maybe make a lot of people happy, you know. Uh, I know a lot of people don't think Greg Hardy deserves this, but hey, I, I feel like it's an intriguing matchup. Greg Hardy is, is an elite athlete. Uh, you know, he can physically do it probably about anything except not use inhalers in <laughs> fights. But, uh, you know, let's see how he does against a, a guy that beat Fabricio Verdum and as well as a bunch of other guys. So I'm interested to see that fight as well. Definitely, man. Uh, inhaler gate. Going down in Moscow, Russia this Saturday afternoon is going to be a lot of fun. So definitely can't wait to break this card down. And also got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Flav CBD. Make sure you check them out. The official CBD sponsor and THC sponsor of Half the Battle. Go to FlavCBD.com and use that promo code BATTLE to save 10% off any purchase. And Shaq, let's break down this whole card start to finish. Because first up, in the Bantamweight division, we got Grigory Popov. He's 14-3. and three. And Davy Grant is eight and four. Currently, they got Grigory Popov minus one ninety. The comeback on Davy Grant is plus one sixty five. Well, Shaq, both these guys coming off devastating losses. Both guys trying to get back in the win column. With Davy Grant, we haven't seen him since uh, July twenty second of two thousand eighteen. And Grigory Popov coming off the knockout loss to Eddie Wineland. Who do you think gets back on track here in the bantamweight division? Yeah, Grigory Popov had a very exciting debut against the former champion, Eddie Wineland. I think it was in Wineland's hometown, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, he did get knocked out, but hey, he showed a lot of toughness. Showed that he had very good Muay Thai, especially with his kicks. Uh, hurt Eddie to the body a couple times. Even wobbled Eddie a couple times, but Eddie Wineland was a little too much with the boxing, and Grigory was fighting with his hands down. Now, Davey Grant uh, since he beat Cheeto Vera, has done absolutely nothing. He beat Cheeto Vera when he was 21 years old. He's not the guy that we see out here today finishing guys. But uh, Davey, Davey Grant, you gotta assume he, his confidence is very, very low right now. The fact that the Manny Bermudez fight went the way it did. And let's not forget when he fought Stasiak and he was up two rounds and then he got his arm broken. So uh, I, I'm gonna go with Popov. I think he's the tougher guy, a little more durable. And I think he's probably just gonna land a lot of kicks on Davey Grant. Can you trust Popov at a line like that, knowing that he kind of fights with his hands down and Davy Grant in, in his day maybe might have won this fight but I think Popov's a little tougher and you know, especially with the conditions in Russia I'll take the Russian. Yeah, it seems to me like Davy Grant's fought the tougher level of competition despite the fact that Popov was in there with the former WC Bantamweight champion Eddie Wineland his last fight. Davy Grant does hold a win over Marlon Vera and I granted like Shaq explained it's not the Marlon Cheeto Vera that's in the top 15 today it's uh, the very green undeveloped 
uh, prospect that we saw against Marco Psycho Beltran. That's the guy that lost to Davy Grant before he moved to the United States. So we don't really know where Grant's confidence is at. We don't know where his head's at. He's been through a lot. Uh, I think he was contemplating retirement at one point with Grigory Popov. I still need to see more from the kid. But one thing about him is he comes to bang. Uh, he throws with a lot of confidence. Uh, he's got kind of a sense of humor in there. He'll uh, lead you on. He'll taunt you. He'll have a lot of fun. I'm going to lean with Popov as well. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a rematch between Jessica Rose Clark, she's 9-5, and five, and Pani Kianzad is 11-5. and five. Currently, they got Jessica Rose Clark minus 115, and Pani Kianzad is minus 105. Well, Shaq, in case anyone doesn't know, Pani Kianzad actually went out there and beat Jessica Rose Clark uh, Back in 2015, now they run it back in 2019. Uh, who do you think is the win? Like you said, Penny Kianzad already has a win. Rose Clark, man, she's been gone for a little while here. And it's been one fight where she had a botch weight cut. She was supposed to fight Andrea Lee. She went to the hospital. And then after that, she pulled out of a fight due to a, a foot injury with, uh, I think it was Bernardo. So, you know, we haven't seen her for a while. She's coming off that lost to eye where a lot of people thought she was going to win that fight. And I know she switched coaches. I mean, her life's pretty different right now. So uh, this fight, uh, Kianzad. Kianzad is coming off that loss to Julia Avila, where she did get beat up pretty badly. But Julia Avila is a little bit more hungrier. And quite honestly, I think she might be just better than Rose Clark. I know Rose Clark uh, has a win over Paige Van Zandt, but, you know... <laughs> you know <laughs> so i think that is probably a 50 50 fight i think that kianzad might be a little bit more confident coming into this fight she already has the win over her and she, she showed her toughness against avila because avila hits really hard man i've seen avila muscle around some girls so i'm i'm, I'm actually take kianzad in a in a i guess a somewhat of a upset uh win by by decision you know i think she's gonna be the tougher girl, and I think uh, she just outvolumes Rose Clark. Panic Kianzad's definitely shown me some skills. It's just about fighting at the UFC level. I've kind of questioned the mental with Panic Kianzad. Maybe if she comes out here and gets a win over Jessica Rose Clark, that can help elevate her confidence, and maybe she can stick around in the company. But what I've seen so far, Jessica Rose Clark seems to be performing on a higher level inside the octagon. And if you see the kind of shape she's in for this fight, uh, she took this very, very seriously. This is a weight class change. And also got to note that she switched camps as well. She's no longer training under John Woods. So she's been going through a lot of stuff behind the scenes. But if uh, if those six-pack abs that I saw in that picture are any indication, she's really taking this seriously. And I just simply think that she's on a different level than Panny Kianzad. So for that reason, I'm going to take Jessica Rose Clark to win the rematch and win it via decision. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Alexander Yakovlev. He's 25-9, and nine, and Roosevelt Roberts is 8-1. and one. Currently, they got Roosevelt Roberts, minus 155. The comeback on Alexander Yakovlev is plus 135. Well, Shaq, uh, initially, Yakovlev was supposed to fight the guy that just beat Roosevelt Roberts and Vince Pichel. Vince pulled out. Now, uh, Roosevelt Roberts is going to step up. You think the vastly more experienced Yakovlev gets it done, or are you rooting for uh, the emerging prospect, Roosevelt Roberts? Roosevelt Roberts, I still think he's green. He's still got less than 10 fights. Uh, in his fight with Thomas Gifford, he won those first two rounds, but in that third round, he kind of showed you his weakness. He kind of has a, a tendency to back into that fence, and in his takedown defense, he got taken down by Gifford in that third round, and then he sub uh, subsequently got taken down by Vince Pichel in those second and third rounds as well. So Roosevelt's still green. Now he's fighting Alexander Yakovlev, and I do think Roosevelt Roberts, you know, was very overhyped. I think... Uh, 
people jump the gun on him a little bit too much. The kid's still very green. Now, Yakovlev, I'm not trying to sit here and act like he's some world beater, but at the same time, the guy's been in there with the likes of Maya, Usman, Daly. He beat Paul Daly. He beat Gray Maynard, you know? The guy's been definitely fighting. He's seen a whole level of the sport that Roosevelt still hasn't seen yet, and Roosevelt's taking this fight on short notice in his home country. So this is a very risky fight for Roosevelt, in my opinion. I think I've, this is obviously one of those cases where one guy probably projects out better long-term. Roosevelt's very young, definitely got some good boxing, but is he ready to fight on this level right now against these guys that have seen pretty much every trick in the book and fought the highest level of competition? So I think there's value on Yakovlev at dog money. I think that, uh, is he going to win this fight? Like I said, Roosevelt probably projects out better, but what has Roosevelt really proven at this point? All he did was beat Daryl Horcher, who isn't in the UFC anymore, uh, who's turning fights down with, uh, I heard with Rob, <laughs> with Rob Hill. Uh, then we got uh, and a win over Thomas Gifford, who we know for facts is in UFC caliber. So uh, then he fought Vince Pichel. And I mean, let's just be honest here. He got broken in the last two rounds. So I'm interested to see how the kid, not saying that he doesn't have the talent to win this fight. I think he does. Like I said, I think he projects out better long term. But I think he's going to fight close with Yakovlev down there in Moscow, Russia. And I think Yakovlev is going to win a decision. Yeah, it's a tough one for me to call because while Yakovlev 100% has the more experience, he's fought the better guys, he's beat the better guys, no questions asked. Roosevelt definitely has a higher ceiling, has more potential, and Yakovlev is a very beatable guy. He gets backed up every single fight. He doesn't really hold his ground much, but one thing about him is he's savvy, and you start to slow down on a guy like Alexander Yakovlev. He will suplex you. He will dominate you on that mat, and uh, he's got some striking, too. You saw that night when he uh, when he knocked out George Sullivan in the first round. I mean, the only reason I bring that up is because we can sit here and talk about Roosevelt Roberts first round finish of Daryl Horcher but you know Yakovlev was out here finishing guys on that caliber in the first round as well so yeah I mean look I think uh, Roosevelt has a long way to go and I think his last fight showed that for sure is he gonna rise to the occasion here it's gonna be close especially uh especially the second and third rounds I can see Roosevelt getting off to a good start but if he starts to slow down if he starts to show a little bit of that inexperience Yakovlev is definitely live for an upset here so I'm actually going to go with you as well I'm going to take Alexander Yakovlev to upset the very talented Roosevelt Roberts now next up in the welterweight division we got Abubakar Nurmagomedov he's 15 and 2 and David Zawada is 16 and 5 Currently, they got Nurmagomedov minus 320. The comeback on Zawada is plus 260. Well, uh, Shaq, I, I just got to know right off the bat, man, are you uh, picking against uh, Nurmagomedov in Russia? I got a lot of respect for Zawada, that fight of the night with hot chocolate, and he steps up on short notice. I'm, I'm glad that he finally gets a full camp. And Nurmagomedov, although he's, he does have that last name, we have seen him drop the ball before against uh, Pavel Cushion, which he got knocked out unconscious. So remember my boy uh, Connor back in the day. I saw his cousin sparked uh, unconscious in another promotion. That's what he was referring to. So um, I think that Akubukar, kind of with the case with some of these Russian fighters, as long as he doesn't get his ass beat, I think the decision is already set in stone. And I think Zawada, unfortunately, might have to go 0 3. But I mean, he had the guy has been knocked out before by other Europeans. So sure, be careful. Yeah, I mean, look, I got to go with Nurmagomedov in Russia. David Zawad is a tough guy. Very back and forth fighting his debut versus Danny Roberts. Drop, drop Lee. <laughs> Even went out there and dropped Lee Jingliang in uh, that last fight. But, man, they're not doing him any favors. And he beat my boy, uh, Jutusko, who actually beat Anthony Njikawani back in the day. I know you remember that. but uh, And then he was one and done in the Andrew UFC. Stahl. But he beat my boy, Andrea Stahl, who uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio absolutely floored. 
Hey, he's got a win over a current <laughs> UFC fighter. He beat Stefan Sekulic. <laughs> but look, at, at the end of the day, even if this is a close fight, I still think that the grinding abilities and that Russian coast of uh, Nurmagomedov is going to be the difference here. And, you know, he ain't fighting my boy uh, Pavel OG Kush anymore. I think now uh, now, now he's going to get a win in his UFC debut. So I'm going Nurmagomedov here for the victory. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Roman Kopilov. He's 8-0. and And Carl Roberson is 8-2. and Currently, they got Roman Kopilov minus 110, and Carl Roberson is also minus 110. So, Shaq, it's a dead pick em. It opened minus 190 for Roman Kopilov. Do you agree more towards the opener, or do you think it was set too wide and that this pick em is justified? Roberson, he's a guy, obviously, look at him. I mean, he's big, powerful. The guy definitely looks looks the part, and he's got some wins over Ryan Spann. He beat Darren Stewart. He Jack Marshman. And his last fight against Wellington Thurman. Now, I personally think that Ryan Spann, Darren Stewart, all weren't on the level that we see them at today. I think that I think that Carl Roberson uh, kind of honestly beat those guys at a good time. I just don't think that. I think his resume might be a little bit inflated. You know, Jack Marshman is a, a good a good name that we all know, but Marshman's on his way out the UFC. And Wellington Thurman, Carl Roberson's got this reputation as this big power striker, glory striker, this and that. But is his striking really that good? I mean. Yeah, he, he caught uh, Ryan Spann with the elbow. Those fights went really quick, less than a round. But what happened when he fought Marshman? Yeah, Marshman's really slow. But what happened when Marshman kicked him? You know, his leg kind of went out. Now he's fighting a really, really a legit kickboxer. You know, one of these Russian kids that do wushu and pancreation and all this shit. And he's master of sports. And this guy's valid, man. This guy's been fighting in Russia against some very experienced guys. Now, I know he hasn't fought at the UFC level, but they were going to throw this kid in here with Kristoff Jocko for his UFC debut. So I think the UFC brass views Roman Kapilov as a very a guy... That's on par with the guys like Marshman, Wellington, Thurman, uh, Roberson, all these guys. So, uh, I, I mean, I understand Roberson if you bet him at dog money. I definitely understand he's big. He's still green. He's still developing. But Roberson showed me that he still makes a lot of mistakes. And this kid, Roman Kabilov, although he doesn't have the UXP, uh, UFC experience, what separates him, in my opinion, is just the professionalism. I think Roman Kabilov doesn't make those stupid mistakes. I think he controls the action. I think he has some really hard kicks. And I think that Roberson striking is good. He, and if he catches Kapilov with something big and knocks him out, prop to him. But I personally think his striking, his striking uh, is a little bit overrated. I think that he's a little stiff as the fight progresses on. And uh, I think that Roman Kapilov is going to come out here and win a decision in Russia. I think that he's going to keep his distance with the kicks. And I think that Roberson's going to be a little hesitant to pull the trigger. I think that he's definitely getting better. But his fight with Wellington Thurman let me know that, hey, this guy, he should have killed Wellington Thurman. And I like Wellington Thurman. He's a young kid, but... Wellington Thurman's a jiu-jitsu guy with no stand-up. I mean, yeah, I know Roberson's going to touch him up, but I think Kapilov would for sure go out there and beat all those guys as well. So I'm actually going to go with Roman Kapilov. I think he comes out here and wins a decision. And I'm not going to say it's not going to be a tough fight, but I think he's, he's got the better overall MMA game. And uh, the fact that this fight's in Russia, I think, is going to also be a factor. The UFC are pretty high on this kid, uh, Roman Kopilov. I mean, they matched him up with Jocko in what was supposed to be his UFC debut. And I know for people listening, they're going to say stuff like, well, Amadovsky got Jocko in his debut. Yeah, look, Amadovsky was a late-minute, uh, short-notice fill-in. Uh, Kopilov, that was the original fight, him and Jocko. So that means the UFC view this kid in very high light. And I do as well, man, because... 
you know, if you're sitting down and you want to watch him for two minutes, you, you might not be that impressed. You might think he's kind of average because he is a bit of a slow starter and his fights might not be the most exciting, but this kid doesn't take any unnecessary risks. He kicks like a fucking mule with that left kick and uh, his slip and rip game is also on point. The takedown defense is there as well. So Carl Roberson is one of these guys where I'm not going to sit here and discredit his wins over Ryan Spann or Darren Stewart, but I truly believe that those were circumstantial wins and what I mean by that is if they ever ran it back I got Darren Stewart and Ryan Spann over Carl Roberson inside the distance so I think he caught both of them at a great time much respect to him but now uh, the truth is coming to light and Carl Roberson still has a long way to grow he's a talented kid but you got to be well-rounded in the UFC and uh I think Roman Kopilov might actually come out here and beat him at his own game so I'm going Kopilov to outstrike the glory striker, Carl Roberson. I got Roman Kopilov for the victory here. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Rustam Kabilov. He's 23 and 4, and Sergey Kondosko is 27 and 5. Currently, they got Rustam Habilov minus 200. The comeback on Sergey Kondosko is plus 170. Shaq, uh, Rustam Habilov. This dude wins a lot of fights. Uh, I mean, I know you remember he beat Jorge Masvidal back in the day. I know you remember the uh, the six-fight win streak he had at one point inside the octagon, even finished guys like Vince Bichel and Yancey Medeiros along the way. Now uh, he's taking on Sergey Kondosko. Kondosko is 1-0 in the UFC. Kondosko was supposed to fight Michel Pereira. He had to pull out that fight. Which Russian do you think gets it done in Russia? Yeah, we got two Russians here. So as far as the scorecards go, this actually is kind of closer to Sergey's, you know, Sergey's land. So maybe, maybe uh, <laughs> if Rustam continues on his turn, then maybe he gets fucked. But nah, realistically, I think that Kondosko is actually dropping down to 155 pounds. His last fight was at 170 against Rostam Akman. I think that uh, Rustam Kabilov has definitely gotten older. He's had four surgeries. He's definitely not the same guy that beat the BMF Jorge Masvidal a few years back uh, in a fight of the night for the troops that was a great fight i know you remember that spinning head kick that he landed on masvidal that had him uh seeing stars great fight and uh now kandasko's only one and oh he beat a six and oh guy on short notice rostam akman I, I it was a good win he got wobbled in that fight got taken down rustam kabilov still can get takedowns he can still box i honestly think he just fought a guy that finally was not gonna fall into the game of his bullshit by the name of carlos diego ferrer who we are seeing out here molly whopping guys like Merbeck tyson off so I, I think that kandasko you know if he fights close with him and if rustam i would not be shocked but i still think rustam's just a different skill level than Kondosko's used to. I mean, Kondosko a couple years back was still losing the guys on the on the on the local level. So, I think that Kabilov is aging. So I definitely understand why one would take the shot here. You got you know dog money against an aging guy, but I think that he's still good enough to win this fight by 29-28 decision. I mean, Rostam Makhman did take Sergey Kondosko down, and Ruslan Kabilov can still uh, hit you with the Dagestani airline shit, man. So. Uh, I'll go with Rustam. Are you saying my boy Sergey Kondosko is going to have some frequent flyer miles after this? <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, Shaq isn't bullshitting when he says Sergey Kondosko was losing on the regional scene a couple years ago, and I want to take it a step further. Not only was he losing on the regional scene, he was losing to UFC rejects like Benny Alloway. You understand what I'm saying? So if he's going to win this fight, he has to have made a huge transformation, a big evolution. And it might be the case because he's catching Rustam at a great time, but at the same time, 
Rustam is top 25 on planet Earth, and when you're talking about the lightweight division, this is the most stacked weight class in the entire sport. So for Sergey to go from you know top 100 to top 25, he's got to come out here and show some skills. And I'm not writing off his chances. I'm not saying he can't go in there and you know show that he's the real deal. I mean, the guy's had over 30 pro fights, but I gotta see it first before I pick the guy. So I'm gonna go with Rostam Kabilov to come out here, Russian coast. You know, kind of kind of not do much, but when it's time to explode with big bombs, he'll throw those overhands. When it's time to suplex this kid, he'll suplex him. And when it's time to just uh, stare at him and run away, he'll stare at him and run away. So I'm going to go Rustam Habilov via unanimous decision. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a battle between two prospects because we got Magomed and Khalid. He's 11-1, and and Dolce champion Lunjambula is 10-1. and Currently, they got Magomed and Khalif minus 400. The comeback on Dolce Lungjambula is plus 325. Well, Shaq, uh, I know this is a showdown between two prospects, but they're saying it's a very one-sided fight. Magomed and Khalif is a is a four to one favorite here. Uh, do you agree with the line? Uh, you think the solid Russian's going to come out here and uh, hand Dolce his first UFC defeat? I think Ankalaev has redeemed himself a little bit from the Paul Craig fight. With his last two fights, he beat Klitson Abreu, who who did take that fight on short notice and missed weight by four pounds. Uh, and then he beat Marcin Prachnio, who we know is a complete bum and <laughs> doesn't belong in the UFC. So I still think the jury's a, a bit out on Magomed Ankalaev. Now, I'm not di di disagreeing with the talent. I, I definitely see the talent. Very good kickboxer, very good Russian coast game. The takedown defense is there for the most part, except in the Paul Craig fight. But we, we've come to learn that Paul Craig was someone, I guess, not a slouch. He's um, got a winning UFC record <laughs> Paul Craig's okay, I guess. But uh, but I think that Magomed Nikolaev is still not in the developing stages of his game. But if one tried to tell me that he's a better overall fighter than Dolce, you know, I wouldn't sit here and be like, you're wrong. But I'm just saying that Dolce is African. And <laughs> Dolce has a, a very good combination of speed and power and we've seen many times with these African athletes that they even though the technique in the in the like Razak Alassane or Francis in the early stages of his career even still that they make up for it in this perfect blend of speed and power man and Magomed Nikolaev's dropped the ball several times before. Now, he opened up minus 175. Now, I think that's a little bit more respectable. And I still feel like that the bookies are suggesting that, hey, we acknowledge that, hey, this kid, although he's definitely hasn't fought the competition level of an Ankalaev and he hasn't fought any, and he doesn't have the overall skill level that Ankalaev has. We acknowledge this kid's athleticism and know that he is very live for a knockout. And look, the kid's got uh, Dolce uh, Lungi Ambula, or AKA Dolce Champion. Has very good takedowns. He's got a super fast shot. And we've seen this kid, Ankalaev, taken down before. And he hasn't really been tested since. Now, I'm not discrediting his, discrediting his win over Klitson Abreu, but Klitson Abreu was pretty much coming into that fight a dead man walking. I mean, he missed weight. It was short notice. I mean, every factor was it was on European turf. I mean, every, every factor was going against him in that fight. And uh, Magomed definitely put a clinic on him, but... Now this fight, I think that a lot of people are might be shocked to see the improvements in Dolce Champion's game. You give a guy like him more time to train, I mean, who knows what he's going to do. I'm telling you, physically speaking, he's capable of anything. That that speed and that power. I mean, he blitzes Magomed one time and cracks him on the chin. Who knows what's going to happen? And I think Magomed Nikolaev is obviously, obviously going to try to stay on the outside and kick him and probably try to extend this fight. But he hasn't shown that 
at the high level, in my opinion, yet. I mean, I like his win. He definitely treated Prashneel accordingly, but I think Dolce would treat Marcin Prashneel accordingly, too. And uh, Klitson Abreu, like I said, missed weight. And Klitson Abreu is a former Brave champion, so I'm not going to try to discredit that win. But I think that at the where the line is now, it's Stoggar Pass. I, I know the hype on this kid, Ankalai, is real, but I think Dolce is going to shock a lot of people. I think he's going to show up a lot better. Uh, you know, his last fight was one of those switch-up lates against a guy that he had never seen before. He was supposed to fight Justin Ledette. And, you know, uh, we know who fought Justin Ledette prior to that. Uh, Johnny Walker and Alexander Ratchik. So I think that uh, Dolce Champion is going to come out here and either get the better of the wrestling game. I mean, we haven't seen Ankali of stuff since. And Paul Craig it just doesn't have that speed and explosion that a, a Dolce Champion has. So... Although I think Michael Madank alive is better overall, I think that he's going to have a lot of pressure, and I think that this African is going to do something special in there and, and, and get a knockout victory. So I'm going to go with Dolce Champion. Look, if you're telling me Magomed Ankaliyev is minus 400, then I expect him to come out here and mop the floor with Dolce Lunjambula. But when I visualize this fight, I really don't see him doing that. Look, if I'm wrong and he goes out there and puts on that Russian Coast Clinic, much respect to him, but I think... Dolce Lunjambula is extremely underrated by the public. I mean, people were out here putting big bets on Justin Ledette to beat this guy, and they still think they would have won. So, I mean, you know he would have knocked Justin Ledette out in the first minute. So it's one of those things where I think he's being extremely undervalued, and his finished product is going to translate a lot better than Magomed Ankaliyev's. It's just about where is he at right now? Has he caught up to that point? Lifelong uh, judo practitioner is a black belt there, has serious hands in terms of when he closes that distance and he touches guys, I mean, you got you to gotta hit that 10-second button on Fight Pass just to see it again, man. It's so goddamn fast when he closes the distance. And, I mean, when this kid finally puts it together, I do think we're looking at a top 10 contender. It's just he's very raw. He comes from a, from a scene that doesn't have the best fighters, but this guy specifically... His physical traits, his attributes, his uh, mentality is something very special. And with Ankaliev, I mean, when you talk about pulling stunts, isn't losing to Paul Craig the way he did one of the biggest stunts in the history of the sport? So can you really trust this guy, especially at a minus 400 type line against an African assassin? I can't, so I'm going Dolce Lunjambula via third round knockout here. Now next up in the middleweight division, we got Shamil Gamzatov. He's 13-0 and and Klitsen Abreu is 15-3. and Currently, they got Shamil Gamzatov, minus 190. The comeback on Klitsen Abreu is plus 165. Well, Tapology says this shit's going down a middleweight. Uh, I know Klitsen's missed that light heavyweight before. You think he makes weight here at middleweight? Yeah, it's gonna, let's see if Klitsen makes weight. He's been training at American Top Team, so he made that switch down there. He's been living down there. Klitsen has a win over Johnny Walker, a former Brave champion. They call, they used to call him the Russian killer. So now he's uh, about to fight some Russians in in Russia. So he's he's familiar with fighting in this territory. This ain't nothing new to him. He's fought in Russia many times. So I'm, uh, I don't think he's going to be one of the guys that get overwhelmed by this type of fight. So Gamzatov's coming over from PFL. He's got the wins over John Howard, over over Eddie Gordon, and he's just one of those typical coasting Russians with good kickboxing, and that just, you know, doesn't really engage in too many mistakes. Um, I do think he might be a little bit chinny, you know. Klitson does hit hard, but Klitson's more of a jiu-jitsu guy. Klitson's going to look to get those takedowns. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion. I think that this fight could play out close because Klitson is young. He's still getting better. He's got that full camp at ATT if he makes weight. Uh, so I do think this could be one of the closer Russian-Brazilian type of matchups, but I will take Gamzatov by close decision. 
Uh, last time Klitson fought a, a kickboxing type of Russian like Ankalaev, like he did miss weight. It was short notice, but it kind of that that look kind of really threw him off, and he was pulling guard, and he was kind of looking for every which and way out. So I'm actually gonna go with Games of Tough here for a decision one. Yeah, I think you're probably right, man. I mean, Klitson Abreu seems to me like, look, if you put him in there with a guy that's on his way out, an old fading vet, I got Klitson Abreu all day. He can definitely do some cleanup work for sure. But when you put him in there with a young prospect who's probably a better athlete than him, who's potentially more well-rounded, uh, I do have to lean with Gamzatov here. The only thing is it might be close because Gamzatov uh, loves to do the Russian coast, and sometimes there's minutes of inactivity. So if he's just staring at uh, at Klitson, he feels like he's got off to a big lead, and then Klitson's coming after him hard, it could get very interesting. But ultimately, I will take Shamil Gamzatov via decision here. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Anthony Rocco Martin. He's 16-5, and five, and Ramazan Emiv is 18-3. and three. Currently, they got Ramazan Emiv, minus 135. The comeback on Anthony Rocco Martin is plus 115. Well, Shaq, you got a former middleweight taking on a former lightweight here. And uh, Anthony Rocco Martin, man, he's definitely proven himself at 170. He's been doing his thing out there. I know he's coming off that majority decision loss to Damian Maya, but he still he still uh, showed a good account of himself there. You know, and it was a very respectable performance. And with Ramazan Amiv, uh, you you yourself called him the clinch master of the middleweight division. Now he's at 70, uh, already has two solid wins in the weight class. Who do you think gets another victory here under their belt? Yeah, it's a step up in competition for Amiv. Rocco Martins definitely beat the better level names like Serginio Marais, Jake Matthews, finished Ryan LaFleur with that vicious head kick. So, in his fight with Damian Maya, it wasn't a bad performance. We knew he quite wasn't at that level as the Covingtons and the Usman. So, you know, it was kind of no shame in that performance. Now, Ramazan Amiv, like I said, he's the clinch master. He's dominated pretty much every. He's never, he hasn't lost a round in the UFC yet. This guy coming from M1 Global, I think he was a two time world champion over there. He's fought experienced guys before. So Ramazan Amiv, we've been saying he's probably top 15 for the longest time, so now he's going to get his top 25 guy to gauge where he's at. It is a step up in competition from him. Look, I like Alberto Mina. He was undefeated at the time, and Ramazan treated him accordingly, but Rocco Martin's on a completely different level skill-wise. And the thing with Rocco Martin is he's got the skills. I've, I've always been very high on the skill level. It's just this guy kind of shoots himself in the foot. And He's been training with Douglas and Diego in Atlanta for this camp. He's... Uh, done both their camps with them you know Rocco is kind of going through some shit behind the scenes a little bit but speaking of going through some shit you know the Lima brothers split with Amir Dadovic oh yeah yeah he kicked them they kicked them out of the gym they, they had a split so they're no longer ATT Gwinnett now they have their own gym like Gwinnett Fitness or some shit along, along those lines are you sure yeah but he, but the Lima so brothers are ATT Gwinnett nah well it is but Amir owns it the Lima brothers are there are no no longer there but the Lima brothers are still with Jukau so they're still ATT. Yeah, just not ATT Gwinnett anymore. Oh, yeah. That's only Amir's location now. Oh, yeah. Interesting, right? Yeah. I wonder what happened. Yeah, they had a split. <laughs> Maybe with that million dollars, uh, someone didn't get their cut, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. So Rocco Martin, I feel like he's got the talent level in. He's used to these higher level type of fights. So if you took that dog money on Rocco, I definitely understand. Like, uh, Ramazan, I feel like he's very skilled, but we've yet to see it against uh, a top 40 opponent. I still got a lot of respect for Ramazan. I will not fade him in Moscow. I mean, this is one of Kadyrov's guys, and if <laughs> Kadyrov's there, uh, you can best believe Kadyrov's going to tell those judges to <laughs> give this decision to Ramazan. Um, 
I think Rocco Martin's got all the skills to win a fight like this, but I think that with the conditions, I feel like uh, Ramazan's going to hold on to him in the clinch a little bit, and he's going to slow this fight down and just kind of control the pace. I still think it's going to be a very close fight just because this is a step up for Ramazan uh, in talent level. So I would not be shocked if Rocco Martin was able to win, but I'll pick Ramazan by close split decision in Russia. I think that he gets the job done just by grabbing a hold of him in the clinch. I think he might struggle in the boxing a little bit, and I think that he's going to wear down Rocco Martin. And like we've seen in the past in fights against uh, Mercier and Damian Maia. I know Damian Maia's on a different level, but I think I think Ramazan will, will barely get the win. Yeah, look, I'm very high on Ramazan Amiv. Uh, he might not have the most fan-friendly style, but the guy is super well-rounded. He's just a consummate professional when he's out there. And I know on paper it looks like Anthony Rocco Martin's fought the higher level of competition. To an extent, that's true. I mean, he's fought the bigger names, no no questions asked. But when you look at the regional scene guys that Ramazan Amiv was going out there and fighting, I mean, we're talking about guys with 24-2 and two records like Tokov, right? So... Ramazan Ami has been fighting legit competition on his regional scene. Uh, and it's been translating in the UFC because he's going out there already looking like a seasoned vet out there. And uh, Anthony Rocco Marin definitely has the bigger name. And he's been looking the best he ever has at welterweight. But man, I simply think that Ramazan Amiv is a better fighter than Anthony Rocco Martin. And I think that he's going to bully him in the clinch, mix in takedowns. He's not going to get phased by that Kimura trap that Anthony Rocco Martin likes to do. He's not going to get Kimura swept. Uh, I see him neutralizing the attacks of Anthony, Mar of Anthony Rocco Martin going out there and winning another dominant decision. So I'm going Ramazan Amiv to get it done in Russia. Now next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Ed Short Fuse Herman, he's 23 and 14, and Kadis Ibrahimov is 8 and 1. Currently they got Kadis Ibrahimov minus 150, the comeback on Ed Herman is plus 130. Well, Shaka, most of the action has been coming in on Ed Herman here at open minus 175, Kadis Ibrahimov. Uh, a lot of people are very low on Ibrahimov based off his last fight where he was winning, kind of pulled a bit of a stunt in that third round, got choked. Uh you think he's got better luck here in the second appearance? Yeah, Ed, Ed Shortfuse Herman can't forget his knockout as a big underdog against Patrick Cummins, a plus over plus two hundred underdog. So Patrick Cummins was able to uh, get knocked out again, <laughs> and, uh, and Ed Herman was the beneficiary of that. But I still think Ed's on his way out. I still think he's still a couple fights away from retirement. Still a very tough guy. But uh, let's not forget his losses to C.B. Dalloway and John Vellante, two guys that are completely done. And Kadis Ibrahimov, although he did pull a stun his last fight, he took that fight on short notice. He's also taken this fight on short notice, but I think he's been training uh, since he lost that fight. He was undefeated. I think this is a case of uh, everyone kind of writing him off a little bit too soon. Uh, I think that the power that he displayed in that fight against Jung, was still, I feel like, enough to knock out a guy like Ed Herman. Da Un Jung is on his way up. You know, Da Un Jung's fight, getting ready to fight Mike Rodriguez, you know. And Ed Herman, although he's coming off a win, I, I feel like people are, this is the typical, uh, you know, where you think the guy's got something left in the tank and he really doesn't type of spot. And I think Igor Himov comes out here and knocks him out. I think that he comes better a lot mentally i think in his mind the last fight he was probably you know in china a country that he ain't used to he, he short notice he probably not, he's not in shape like i think the conditions were really bad in that spot and i think the conditions are going to be good for him to come out here and get a first round ko yeah look this kid kadis ibrahimov's definitely shown some cardio issues on the regional scene and 
You know, he's very green. He's a young kid, this and that. But, man, uh, I saw a couple things in that UFC debut where I do feel like he has what it takes to come out here and knock out Ed Herman. Look, Ed Herman definitely has the experience advantage. He's fought the better guys. He's been in the UFC forever. I mean, since uh, since 2006, Shaq. You, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, this guy... Uh, is racking in those checks, even as a win over Glover Teixeira back on the regional scenes, you know, and Brian Ebersol. <laughs> so my, my boy Short Fuse is a real badass. I mean, I know you guys remember when he uh, went out there and uh, knocked out Tim Crater, the knee bar against Kyle Noak, uh, you know, uh, that fucking amazing war, that fight of the night with Trevor Smith. So, you know, I got all the respect in the world for Ed Herman. Much respect. Love that guy. We were in attendance for his fight against Krilov. A lot of fun. But here against Cadiz Ibrahimov, look, if Short Fuse uh, was a little bit younger, I think that he could weather the storm and potentially take over late. But, man, I, I think he's going to get wobbled by something big. It's going to be probably a little sad to watch. Uh, I'm going to go with Cadiz Ibrahimov via standing TKO. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Zalim Imadayev. He's 8-1. and one, And Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts is 16-5. and five. Currently, they got... Zalim Imadayev, minus 220. The comeback on Danny Roberts is plus 180. Well, Shaq, I know sometimes when Danny Roberts is counted out, uh, he'll go out there and knock people out. I know you saw that fight against Oliver Endcamp. And, uh, well, interestingly enough, he was a favorite in that spot. So, man, maybe I should take that state. Everyone bet on Endcamp. But did, didn't all the action come in on Endcamp in yeah. that fight, if I remember correctly? Very close. But uh, <laughs> that being said, man, it's a similar situation just in, in the sense that Everyone's taking the Russian here in Russia. Danny Roberts uh, isn't known for having the best chin. This kid's the Liam can spin. You seeing a spinning back fist knockout, or you think Danny Hot Chocolate gets the upset? Intriguing fight because I know Hot Chocolate's coming off the vicious KO loss to Michelle Pereira. And if you would have seen that face off between those two guys the day before, uh, Hot Chocolate was definitely getting a little bit amped up too much, and he definitely paid the price for it. And he let Michelle's head get so big to the point now where Michelle's losing a jobber's name, Tristan Connolly. No offense to Tristan, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but let's see if he wins another UFC fight. I think that, uh, Imadayev, on the other hand, is still, I mean, look, his fight with Max Griffin, I, li I like the toughness, I like the spirit, but just skill-wise, he definitely was not in the upper totem pole of Russians, not even in the, the mid-tier of Russians, in my opinion. I think that the kid was spinning out of control, and unless he can calm himself down a little bit, but from what I hear, I feel like I, I hear that this kid's a loose cannon, that he uh, he's one of those dirty Russians like a Safarov, you know, where he, he just wants to fight you all the time. So um, the kid's very intense. I like it, but you got to be careful with this guy because you saw him lose a point deduction for a couple blatant, like this kid kind of doesn't give a fuck. Like, you know, you got to be careful with guys like that because sometimes they can go out there and just cost you your money with something illegal like right away so and and not to mention this guy was beating like two and one guys he's not one of these russians that was out here fighting tough russian competition so i feel like people can kind of be a little misled on Zalim and Madaf. he did fight a, a tough fight with max griffin but max griffin gasses out in the late rounds every fight max griffin only has one round in him and then he tires out every fight so max griffin is two and five in the <laughs> like uh, I know he, Max Griffin's got a name that we all know and, and whatnot, but Max Griffin's a couple fights away from, you know, not being here. So I think that Imadayev, if you like his intensity and you, and you see weakness in Hot Chocolate, I, I get it, but I think it's going to be a little tougher than that. I think Hot Chocolate, it, you know, is probably going to be a little cautious coming off a loss like that. And I still think Hot Chocolate's the better overall fighter. I don't think Imadayev's going to be able to take him down. And unless he's made a, a lot of improvements, I know he's training in Vegas, 
uh, these days at Extreme Couture, so so we'll see. But I'm actually going to take Hot Chocolate. At, at, uh, I think there's a lot of value on him at plus 180. And I get his chin is shit, and he gets wobbled every single fight. But sometimes in these spots, there's levels to it. Hot Chocolate's just a more proven guy. And I think that as long as he cannot get knocked out, I think that he'll, his, his overall better game will show. I think this kid, Imadiah, will make stupid mistakes. So I'll take uh, Hot Chocolate. Yeah, I mean... I'd love to pick hot chocolate. It's just that there's one huge caveat here, one big factor of concern, and you guys know exactly what that is. That's the chin of Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts because, I mean, that chin is a massive, massive liability, and it can uh, take away from the fact that he might be the better fighter in this spot. He's definitely the more well-rounded guy, definitely the more experienced guy, but, man, he can't take a shot, and... He used to be able to take a shot. You know, I know you guys remember that Mike Perry fight, even though the outcome was a knockout. Man, he was taking some concussive blows throughout the entire fight until it finally happened in the third and final round. But here against Zalim Imadayev, look, Zalim Imadayev's a very intense guy, like Shaq alluded to. I mean, word on the street is this guy's in there in the gym throwing full uh, full speed spinning back elbows at his training partners and uh, knocking people out in the gym. Like he 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 uh, takes on first timers in the gym and knocks them out. You know what I mean? Like these guys will walk in the gym for the first time, sign the the waiver, and then Zalim will be like him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I spar him, and uh, he'll knock that guy out with a head kick. So. Kind of, kind of a bit of a bully, uh, this and that, but look, at the end of the day, if Hot Chocolate could take a shot, I'd pick him in this fight. He can't take a shot. I got Zalima Madaya via spinning backfist knockout. Co-main event of the evening in the heavyweight division. We got Alexander Volkov. He's 30-7, and seven, and Greg Hardy is 6-0. and oh. Says 5-1, and one, but we all know he knocked out Alan Crowder. Currently, they got Alexander Volkov minus 290. The comeback on Greg Hardy is plus 245. Well, I said 6-0, but actually between you and me, my man, it's 7-0 because he beat Ben Sasali as well. You know, so uh, Greg Hardy's been putting in work. But that being said, it's minus 290 Volkov. The comeback on Hardy is plus 245. Uh, Shaq, this ain't uh, Ben Sasali and Alan Crowder and... You know, Jarge's Danho anymore. Now you're talking about a top five guy on planet Earth and Alexander Volkov. Volkov is coming off a devastating KO loss. You think he gets back in the the win column here against the former pro bowler? Yeah, Alexander Volkov, top five guy with wins over Redoom and Big Country back when he still had something a little bit left. Uh, beat Tim Johnson. Tim Johnson, who's gotten some wins when you think about it. Uh, who else did he beat? Oh, he finished Redoom. That's all that matters. Yeah, he finished for Doom. There's one more I'm missing, though. Stefan Struve. Stefan Struve, yeah. And he knocked out Stefan Struve. So I think Volkov, he's got a win over Ivanov as well. So we know the deal here. One guy has seen a whole level of the sport that the other one cannot imagine. And Greg Hardy, although I think he's a good athlete, a great athlete, former pro bowler, like you said, definitely could if he lie for a knockout i mean look if he can catch him in that first round but you got to think the longer this fight goes volkov's teeps are going to start playing a factor cardio's uh the cardio's kind of in question for hardy and volkov's just been in way tougher spots now i'm not saying i think greg can only win by knockout and that would be the fluke variety but hey this guy volkov did just get fluke KO'd his last fight so i think that volkov honestly could be lined a little bit higher like i i wouldn't be shocked if that's the case here if he just teeps him to the gut a couple times and, and and greg's never felt anything like this like you said there's a big difference between alan crowder who's out here getting knocked out by jabs and and uh 
you know, <laughs> and uh, in five seconds, in five seconds, and and uh, Ben Sasali, who I think is a tough guy, but Volkov's on a completely different level. Um, so I'll, I'll take Volkov for the win, and uh, I'll say uh, by second round finish. Look, I respect Greg Hardy a lot as an athlete, uh, and I respect the fact that he's willing to jump into the deep end of the heavyweight division after fighting unranked guys. Now he's taking on a top five guy on short notice. So as a competitor, I got all the respect in the world for that kind of courage. The dude's got balls, no question about it. But man, his skill set is not on the level of Volkov. I mean, we're talking about with Hardy. He made his UFC debut this year against Alan Crowder, lost that fight. And it's just one of those things where uh, I do think down the line, Greg Hardy could come out here and compete with guys like Volkov. I think he's got the potential, the athleticism, the power. I think he's uh, strong uh, mentally in terms of the, the competitive mindset and all that. But this seems like it's too much too soon. Now, granted, they are heavyweights, so you're dealing with a freak athlete in Hardy. He could touch the guy on the chin and knock him out. But more often than not, at this stage in his career, I simply don't think that's going to happen. I think Volkov uses his range expertly, dictates the pace of the fight, and goes out there and knocks out Greg Hardy in the first round. Main event of the evening in the featherweight division. We got Zabit Magomed Sharipov, he's 17-1, and Calvin Cater is 20-3. Currently, they got Zabit Magomed Sharipov, minus 290. The comeback on Calvin Cater is plus 245. Shaq, uh, for a featherweight showdown, it's not often you see a plus 245 next to Calvin Cater's name, but many people are calling Zabit Magomed Sharipov a future world champion. Uh, do you think the six foot one featherweight comes out here and uh, wins in Russia in the main event? Yeah, Zabit Magomed Sharipov, allegedly he couldn't walk a few weeks uh, a few weeks ago. He was supposed to fight in Boston, so now he's making that quick turnaround to rebook in uh, Russia and his homeland. So he's definitely got some good factors going for him. I think that these two guys have had two different type of UFC careers. Obviously, Magomed Sharipov came in with a lot of hype. Calvin Katar just came in as a... Uh, a late notice replacement as where we heard we were hearing things about Zabit Magomed Sharipov long before he was in the UFC so I feel like Zabit Magomed Sharipov has definitely had a uh, a more tailor-made run and Calvin Katar has actually had to earn his way here now I, I like Zabit I like all these fancy techniques that he's throwing these you know these diverse weapons but you know when you really look at who it's against none of half of those guys aren't in the UFC when I'm saying Brandon Davis won't be in the UFC anymore Kyle Boschniak won't be in the UFC anymore uh Mike Santiago isn't in the UFC anymore and Shaman Marais isn't in the UFC anymore so uh he does have one lone credible win against Jeremy Stevens and Jeremy Stevens is a, a tough guy you know my boy Dan likes to call him the most losses in the UFC guy it's just facts and the guy that Calvin uh Katar lost to Hanato Moicano beat Jeremy Stevens so I think that uh I get Zabit's flashy keeps the the fans captivated but I think he's executed a lot of techniques against a, a lot of guys that just quite quite honestly aren't don't have the competence uh, enough to compete on that level like I said I like Jeremy Stevens but Jeremy Stevens loses that fight all the sing every single time so you know uh I think that Calvin Katar you know, had to earn his way here. You know, he was a big underdog against Andre Feely, who at the time was coming off the biggest win in, in his career, and he put Andre Feely in his place by 30-27 decision. Then he fought Shane Burgos, who was the next up-and-coming big featherweight prospect who was undefeated at the time, fought him in Boston as a big underdog, and knocked him out unconscious. Then he lost one fight. Now, I know he lost, and he got molly walked by Hanato Moicano, but Moicano, like I said, Moicano had beat Jeremy Stevens. Moicano was hungry. He was coming off a loss. 
And Moicano definitely exposed, uh, you know, his weakness for the uh, the low kicks, even though I really don't consider it too much of a weakness. But I think Moicano actually touched the top five at one point. Zabit has still yet to to proven that against anyone on that level. Now, not saying that Calvin has either, but I think there's an even playing field. I don't see a big gap between Zabit, Magomed, Sharipov, and Calvin Kater. And I don't see a big gap between Zabit, Magomed, Sharipov, and a lot of these other featherweights. So, um until uh, he's got his opportunity to prove it uh, against a, a top, you know, six, seven guy, in my opinion, in Calvin Katar. So I'm interested to see how he does. But from what I've seen is a beats kind of he likes to throw all these flashy techniques and he'll have the tendency to kind of gas out and get pushed back into the fence. And we saw it his last fight in the third round against Jeremy Stevens. Now, Jeremy Stevens just isn't fast enough, doesn't have the, the competence in the boxing as as a Calvin Katar, in my opinion. So I think Calvin Katar is the one that makes Zabit pay for those mistakes. And I think Calvin Katar actually knocks Zabit out. I think people are sleeping on this guy a lot. People always sleep on him. He's an underdog in a lot of his fights. He was minus 140 to Ricardo Lamas. Ricardo Lamas had already lost to guys like Mursad Bektik by, you know, split decision and Josh Emmett. And Calvin Katar broke his jaw in three places and showed that he's on a completely different level than those guys. A lot of people weren't sure he was going to pass that test with flying colors like that. So I think he comes in here, gets the upset. I think he's the more proven guy, and I think he uh, knocks Zabit out. This is a phenomenal main event between two incredible fighters. Obviously, with Zabit Magomed Sharipov, I've been very impressed with this guy with his well-rounded skill set mixed with the flash. I mean, he's very solid technically, the boxing, the wrestling, the jujitsu. But then he'll go out there and impress you uh, with his style, man. The guy's got a lot of swag when he's out there jumping off the cage and you know taking the stuff that that Showtime Pettis did back in the WC, but taking it to a completely different level because this guy's got wrestling too. This guy can fight in any area of the fight for sure. And I guess the the only uh, criticism I've had of Zabit, and it's not to sit here and say that the guy's cardio is suspect because I don't think that's really the case. He's definitely out here running his miles, but he'll definitely go out there, put it all on the line to a point where you know he does kind of slow down in that third round. And when you're fighting guys like Kyle Bochniak and even Jeremy Stevens, I expect uh, we can give a pass for the Jeremy Stevens one because Jeremy actually went out there and won the third round against Yair as well. But man, against Bochniak, you should not be letting a guy like Bochniak tee off on you in that third round the way he did. Uh, Bochniak should have been out stiff on the middle of the canvas. I know he would be if he fought Cater. So here against uh, Calvin Cater, look, I've been saying since this guy's debut that he's a top five guy right now. He never had the chance to prove it. Uh, and, but I did say, look, if he fights guys like Cub Swanson and Ricardo Lamas, he'd knock them out in the first round. Well, he went out there, finally got his chance against Lamas, did knock him out in the first round. Now here against Zabit Magomed Sharipov, this is what you call a showdown fight between two top prospects, and I could totally see the winner getting a title shot. I agree with Shaq in the sense that uh, Calvin Cater's fought the tougher competition. I mean, we're talking about UFC debut against Andre Feely, who was top 15 in my opinion. Next fight against Shane Burgos, who's also top 15 in my opinion. Next fight against Hinato Moicano, who uh, was top 5 at the time. Next fight against Chris Fishgold, who was not ranked, but you know what? He handled him accordingly. He put him down and won. And then the next one against the former title challenger and perennial top 5, Ricardo Lamas. So I do think Calvin's had a tougher road, but Zabit's handled everyone he's fought accordingly. You can't take that away from him. Now, the thing with this fight is, I think it should be lying, you know, like a pick him with a slight lean on Zabit, just because the fact that it is in Russia, Russian and Russia, this and that. Let's go ahead and you know give him give him that slight lean. He might throw a little bit more, but man, uh, this is this line is too wide for a guy of Calvin Cater's 
caliber. And I, if I was going out there saying shit like this guy's a top five guy right now, well, that means he better go out there and beat someone like Zabit Magomedsharipov. And I think that's exactly what he's going to do. I'm going to go with Calvin Cater via a third round knockout. Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Moscow? My fight to watch is going to be Alexander Volkov versus Greg Hardy. You got the top five guy. He get, He's coming off a, a lengthy layoff. We haven't seen him against, uh, since the Black Beast fight. Greg Hardy, one of the more captivating names in MMA. If he wins this fight, holy shit, is, it, is Dana going to be like, <laughs> you know, he's going to be grinning ear to ear, but... Uh, he's got a very tough task on his hands, but if, like I said, if he wins this fight, man, he's gonna be blowing up uh, a lot of headlines, and he's gonna be a top uh, a top five guy. <laughs> so the Greg Hardy experiment would have worked. So Alexander Volkov, a lot of people are de uh, depending on him here to, you know, show that there's levels to it. So I'm interested to see that fight. Definitely, and for me, my fight to watch is the light heavyweight prospect showdown between Dolce Lunjambula and Magomed Ankaliyev. Look, you got a very solid Russian in Magomed Ankaliyev taking on a very explosive and dynamic African in Dolce Lunjambula. Winner is going to move up, uh, possibly fight a ranked opponent next, but either way, these are two young guys that you need to look out for in the light heavyweight division. So for that reason, Dolce Champion versus Magomed Ankaliyev is my fight to watch. Shaq, who's your fighter to watch for UFC on ESPN Plus 21? Uh, my fighter to watch is going to be Roman Kapilov. This kid's making his debut. Like I said, he was supposed to fight Jocko in his debut, so I feel like they think really highly of the guy. He's got a very tough fight with Roberson uh, for his debut, and Roberson is uh, is a guy that's uh, a very, I guess, a credible name at this point. Got a lot of UFC experience, so he's my fighter to watch. I'm interested to see how he handles that test. Definitely, and for me, my fighter to watch is uh, Ramazan Amiv. This is a guy I've been very high on since before his UFC debut. Really proved a lot to me on that regional scene. Now he's coming out here, and on paper, this is a step up in competition. This is the biggest name he's ever fought, and I know the fans are going to hold him in high regard if he goes out there and dominates a very tough guy in Anthony Rocco Martin, like I think he can. So. For that reason, Ramazan Amiv is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday afternoon in Moscow. Make sure you guys hit up our sponsor, FlavCBD, at FlavCBD.com and use that promo code BATTLE to save 10% off any purchase. You can follow Shaq at MMAGenius05 or on Instagram at ShaqBFP. You can follow me at Best Fight Picks. Our official Instagram is Best Fight Picks Official. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all the spots where we are available. We want to thank you guys all so much for your support. You can check out our bets at bestfightpicks.com. We will be back next week for the Brazil car. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you guys again. We love you. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.